2: of Extra Point on this Monday, August 7th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortillaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Follow along with us, of course, on kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll take your calls in this hour at 1115 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll dive into some Arizona Cardinals red and white practice observations here shortly, but first let's reset at the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos 1060.com poll question dave zangaro nbc sports philly joined bob in the nine o'clock hour to talk all things eagles if you missed it podcast it kdos 1060.com as well as with the kdos 1060 app but it leads us to our kdos 1060.com poll question over 10 and a half wins or under 10 and a half wins for the defending nfc champion eagles here in 2023 and bob it's in a 50-50 split once again.
0: Okay, might seem a little low on the low side here with 10 and a half wins, but first place schedule, and we'll get into the schedule a little more at the bottom of the hour, just after the bottom of the hour, when we break down uh, the answer, our answers to these poll questions. But uh, that's part of the deal. Of course, the Eagles were 16 and four last year. That's counting their playoff wins. And then the Super Bowl loss to the Chiefs when they got outscored 17-8 to in the fourth quarter and lost the game in Glendale 38-35.
2: We'll answer this question around 1130, so still time for you to cast your vote. Tossing this on over to Twitter at AM 1060 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We had a conversation with J.C. Allen in the 10 o'clock hour from pewterreport.com. If you missed it, do the same thing. Podcast KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app. Over under six and a half wins for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Under sitting at 77.8%, over sitting at 20 two point two percent of the vote
0: okay before we get going here is brady starting his fox career next season or is that after that i mean he was supposed to you know i guess he's supposed to be like the next tony romo for brady uh i hope he's better than tony romo i think is like maybe the most overrated announcer in the history of professional sports no matter what sport at least in my opinion but i seem to be the only person that thinks that he's not good but whatever. But when's Brady started his television career? I got got lost track of all this.
2: Yeah, so from my understanding, uh, he is definitely not doing it this year. That if okay. he does participate, uh, it'll be the 2024 season.
0: Okay, so that's a long time for now. Yeah, there's still time <laughs> so, for
2: things to change.
0: Okay, so I'm pretty sure as I come back and play, because I just don't know where he would go, if you wanted to come back and play or... Is there a team that would start slowly and then say, hey, come on back, Tom. I'm not sure who that would be. Uh, so I think these done playing. Uh, so there you go. And just to repeat from uh, the last couple of hours, uh, my, my favorite little, I guess, nugget to use one of your terms, one of my favorite <laughs> nuggets here, is uh, the NFC South. I think everybody realizes they didn't have a team above 500 last year. But they are the projected week starting, week one starting quarterbacks for this year In this division, none of them started Week One last year. Wow,
2: that's uh, yeah, okay, but I I guess when
0: four four teams, four new quarterbacks, at least you know, you know, Ritter played some by the end of last year, but he didn't start the season.
2: Correct, and there's still major question marks with him. Um, I would say that out of this grouping, obviously Derek Carr would be the most accomplished quarterback um, out of out of the four.
0: And I don't know if he's that good. I think he's average at least. That's that's good, but uh, we'll see how it goes. And he certainly has the best team around him
2: that he does uh so we'll get into more of the nfc south as the week unfolds once again your phone calls if you like to join the show at 11 602 260 1060 bringing it back here locally for the arizona cardinals they finished up the red and white practice on saturday that had full pads 11 on 11s let's first dive into aaron decker's report
1: the second week of the Arizona Cardinals training camp wrapped up on Saturday with their annual red and white practice at State Farm Stadium. Fans retreated to an up-tempo practice that was focused on playing at game speed. Outside linebacker Zaven Collins said afterwards that this was probably the closest feeling to a game that the team will have before the preseason. A good crowd of fans are presented with an energetic practice that introduced them to some of the camp standouts so far. One of the players that had a good day was rookie wide receiver Michael Wilson, who continues to be a regular target throughout camp. Wilson was targeted downfield a few times and brought in a couple catches, along with two touchdowns from Colt McCoy. A lot of eyes were also on Isaiah Simmons, who has been practicing with the safeties and consistently playing as a free safety alongside Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Simmons showed a little physicality when he laid a hit on Rondell Moore after Moore caught the ball in the red zone, but by far the biggest play was Simmons nearly picking off Colt McCoy. McCoy attempted a 35-yard pass downfield to Michael Wilson, but overthrew the receiver and practically right into Simmons' hands. Unfortunately, Simmons couldn't hold onto the ball as he and Wilson fell to the ground. Running back James Connor stacked another physical practice on Saturday. Whenever the ball was handed off to Connor, he would power through defenders and even once the whistle blew, he would finish his stride downfield. The running back even brought in a five-yard touchdown pass from McCoy. Additionally, the Cardinals signed running back Marlon Mack before Saturday's practice and he was there donning the number 32. Mack showed he had fresh legs and broke off a few good runs. The Cardinals did not practice on Sunday but will be back on the field on Monday as they head into their first game week of the preseason. I'm Aaron Decker from the Arizona Cardinals training camp.
2: Uh, So that's Aaron Decker's uh, report. You and I were out there as well on Saturday, so had a firsthand account for ourselves here. And the first thing that I noticed uh, was where is Isaiah Simmons? And for me, he was definitely, uh, oh, he's lined up playing free safety and Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are on the field as well. Also, Isaiah Simmons was getting some some play time uh, with that second unit too.
0: That's true. The first thing I actually noticed is that there's nobody here, uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, I go back to the red-white practices, the Flagstaff days, and uh, the, to my recollection, that's the fewest people I've ever seen in a Cardinals red-white practice. It was a huge deal when they were in Flagstaff because people would leave the valley and get out of the heat for a couple of days and go up there. But that's uh, since they moved back down to the valley and been in the uh, – in the stadium in Glendale, whatever it's called that particular year, uh, that uh, that that's the fewest people I can ever recall being there for that particular practice. Uh, he mentioned, uh, you know, the Simmons hit on Rondell Moore. Uh, Rondell Moore none too pleased about that, and I don't blame him because he's been oft injured in his football career, at least since his freshman season. And when he stayed healthy at Purdue, since then he's been injured a lot. And uh, Moore was not happy about that and uh, let Simmons know about it, including on the sidelines a couple of minutes after that play happened. Uh, So just a little follow-up on uh, one of Aaron's comments there.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, The other thing that I noticed, too, uh, Zavin Collins, he's an outside linebacker. Then you have Dennis Gardek on the other side. So we'll see how that really translates when things get ramped up in full speed.
0: That's true, um, and once again, you know, it's interesting that we just by coincidence previewed the Eagles during the Sports Zone, and obviously Jonathan Gannon was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles last year, and they had 60 sacks last year. You know, more than 60 of those were from defensive linemen. Uh, technically, I guess you know, some of them can be from outside linebackers too, but you know, is the front defensive front. Uh, I predict that the Cardinals will not have uh, like half those sacks this year. I mean, I can't imagine that they're going to be very good in the defensive front. And the fact that uh, Zayvon Collins, I will say that that's the one thing I actually thought he was good at last year when they finally moved him around some because instinctually he was awful at going to the hole when he was a middle linebacker. He seemed to always go to the wrong hole. And uh, never, I shouldn't say never, but rarely, you know, made a play. uh, They seem to, uh, opponents seem to exploit his aggressiveness and his lack of instinct to go to the right hole on running plays up the middle or at least between the tackles. But he did show some pass rush skills. So I'm all for the idea that they're seeing what they can get out of him at that position.
2: Uh, Then Paris Johnson Jr. He is definitely the right tackle.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, you know, Beecham was the only guy, the only offensive lineman that stayed healthy enough to start every game last year. Uh, and he clearly, uh, at least on Saturday and apparently, uh, you know, throughout the uh, first, you know, week and a half or however long, uh, you, know, you know, training camp's been going on, uh, Beecham's, Beecham's been the backup at that spot. So that's definitely the case. As far as the rest of the offensive line, I think, the, as we expected, uh, you don't. I, I, I kind of disagree. I, that was full speed supposedly, but there was almost no tackling. There was almost no. I don't think a whole lot of you know line of scrimmage. You know, you know physicality. Let's put it that way. But you know, I, I really couldn't get much out of the offensive line just based on Saturday. But it's, I think it's expected to be at least the you know the three interior spots. Cause I think we. Yeah, you know, D.J. Humphreys is a good player when he's healthy, unfortunately. He didn't end last season healthy either, but he appears to be fine, so I think there could be okay there. I questioned whether Paris Johnson, before the draft and before he, we knew he's even coming to the Cardinals, whether he could be a tackle in the NFL. I do think it's at least the right thing that he's going to start his career, apparently, as a profession, a professional on the right side, even though there are now, I think, more than ever before More, you know, pass rushers that come from, I don't think it's all just, you know, we got to have a left tackle to protect the blind side of the quarterback. The way the defenses have changed over the last two or three years especially, I think it's pretty much you got to have good pass blockers on both sides to prevent edge rushers from destroying your offense.
2: Uh, the other things of note: uh, Marquise Brown, he participated in drills, but not in the eleven-on-eleven 11 portions. Keontae Ingram did not participate. Neither did Trey McBride.
0: Yeah, I wonder if Ingram's actually. I don't know. You know he didn't. This group did not draft him. You know, that was the Kim regime, and he's you know there. He's not here anymore. Uh, so I wonder if Ingram's fighting for a roster spot. I mean, Mac was out there on Saturday. He'd been here for you know in the Oregon. He signed like less than twenty, you know, a little more than twenty-four hours before. So I don't know how much he knows. Uh, and uh, he did a few things, and you know, I, you know I don't think we could take anything out of what he did in the practice on Saturday. Nor it would be I don't think it would be fair if we took anything out of that. But I do think the fact that they actually brought him in, and the fact that there's obviously something up with Ingram, uh, that you know we just kind of wonder who actually. Yeah, I guess Corey Clement seems to be the number two running back even when Ingram's healthy, but you know, does how does Mac fit into this?
2: That's very true. So we'll see how all of that kind of starts to shape up and unfold. And as, you know, Keontae Ingram's situation, you know, unfolds itself uh, in addition. So kind of uh, a twofold part there. Uh, then also very clearly. So you have Colt McCoy. He's going to be the starter until Kyler Murray comes back. Clayton Toon, though, he is definitely QB2 behind Colt McCoy. I will say this, that the ball comes off of his hands with a lot of zip.
0: He has a strong arm. I think we knew that, at least I knew that, when he was at Houston. Uh, I watched Houston play more than I probably should have last a couple of years, and I think he was there at least a three-year starter, maybe a four-year starter, which is in college football, in any position, kind of a rarity these days. If you're any good, you leave early. Uh, But, you know, when I watched him play at Houston, I thought he was an NFL quarterback. There are plenty of college quarterbacks that I think – they never really even, never even comes to my mind that this guy might be in the NFL, but he clearly is a guy that I think is NFL level quarterback as far as talent level.
2: Uh, Then also Michael Wilson, he deserves all the praise and mentions that he's been getting so far. So I'm excited to see if he can stay healthy, uh, you know, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. But that could be a really solid pickup for this team moving forward again, if health all goes uh, his way in his professional career.
0: Yeah, you're going to kind of help me on this one because I was mainly paying attention to pretty much the line play and yeah, where guys were going as far as the defense goes and so forth. I really didn't pay much attention to the passes down the field or really whether they were even complete. Uh, so I know that uh, there were a couple of oohs and ahs and uh, passes that went downfield, and I'm guessing that those were involving Wilson.
2: Uh, yeah, no. He d- just definitely being able to. He's lined up against Marco Wilson, so that's going to be cornerback number one. So you're at least seeing that particular battle for the uh, for for the t- the two teams going up against each other, the two sides going up against each other. Uh, but I think you know just in general, he's he's a bigger body wide receiver, which is really important for the Cardinals. He's got really good hands, uh, strong kind of coming back to the ball at times as well. So I, I think that he's going to be really really solid for the team like I said if he can maintain that health and obviously things change a little bit when you get going a little bit more full speed than they are in training camp and the other takeaway for me uh, was James Conner; he needs to stay healthy for this team uh, I know that we don't really have a whole lot of expectations this year just because of stripping things down kind of starting over new regime get get things settled and organized to start your build process uh, but if you I I think it's really important, though, for James Conner to stay healthy because he's going to be an integral and focal point of this offense.
0: Yeah, I'll just add one more thing from just kind of generally speaking. You mentioned Marco Wilson. Uh, I don't think he's particularly good. Uh, maybe he'll just show leaps and bounds from last year to this year. I uh, thought that. Yeah, you know, I didn't think he was that good when he was in college. Quite frankly, at Florida, I think it was more of a you know, hit and miss. Either he got a pick or made a play or gave up a touchdown and that did not uh, i didn't see any last year that really changed my mind on that it did seem on saturday at least that uh Kittrell clark and christian uh, matthew were on the other side seemingly alternating number one raps reps and i just watched you know, this may be the most unfair thing ever but uh, i remember watching before practice started they have you know the breakdowns with the uh, the position players breaking down into units and so forth into various drills. Matthew dropped like three straight interceptions just during the you know, pitch and catch portion of that practice.
2: Preseason game number one for the Cardinals takes place State Farm Stadium Friday as they are hosting the Broncos. You can watch it 7 p.m. on Channel 12. 602 260 1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program. Uh, If you were out at red and white practice, your observations Arizona Cardinals ahead of preseason game number one on Friday. Uh, Other NFL news and notes that are catching your attention Major League Baseball, the Arizona Diamondbacks, if you'd still like to discuss uh, the Pac 12, uh, the Big 12, the Big 10, the schools moving to their different conferences for the 2024 season, certainly you can. 602 260 1060. Is the number. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports.
0: Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app.
2: 725 right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in let's get into some NFL uh, news and notes from around the weekend and the day Uh, it looks like here the Eagles you know they just have the opportunity to do this to just kind of sign some guys uh, move them in and out Because they are so deep, they're not going to be requiring you to, uh, you know, And we saw this, they did this last year, and they're certainly going to do it again this year, but signing linebackers, Miles Jack and uh, Zach Cunningham. So certainly being able to kind of bolster up their defense and and make some decisions and moves and keep people fresh.
0: Yeah, and they lost both their starting linebackers and free agency. So I think that's part of the deal, too. So we'll see what happens there. And, uh, you know, they've done, you know, they had, you know, it's got like the University of Georgia front seven they got going there with some of those guys, which is not a bad idea. Also, Ringo from Scottsdale-Saguaro is on that team now. And uh, Ringo was considered a first, you know, you know for sure, first-round draft pick, at least at the start of the last college season. Had an up-and-down year at Georgia. Got absolutely torched in the bowl game. That they played Ohio State, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. destroyed him in that game, and I know that at least on draft night there are a couple of uh, draft uh, you know prognosticators or experts that thought that he dropped a round, at least a round, because of the way he got absolutely used in that ball game by Harrison.
2: Uh, The Saints, they are working out running back Kareem Hunt, also working out linebacker Anthony Barr, but from a running back standpoint, we'll certainly get into this more uh, later on in the week when we talk about the New Orleans Saints, but Alvin Kamara, he knows he's going to be missing three games with the suspension, and then Eno Benjamin, he he ended up in New Orleans, but he tore his Achilles.
0: I don't think Eno was ever going to be a real factor. They drafted the kid from Miller from TCU, uh, and they brought in, you know, Williams, who scored like literally like 16 or 17 touchdowns last year for Detroit. So, you know, I didn't think Eno was very good when he was here, quite frankly. Well, I thought, no, let's rephrase that. I thought he was a really good college player. He was a tremendous college player. He was a tough dude at ASU. The Cardinals drafted him. I know he had some you know, games where he got some yards. Most of those games were out of hand, and either. You know we're down to this—you know—backup defensive players and so forth. He's not an NFL player, in my opinion. Um, I'm actually—I feel badly that he suffered the Achilles, and and uh, but I don't think he was ever really going to factor into the Saints' running back situation this year.
2: Uh, Then you have Justin Houston to the Panthers on a one-year deal, six million dollars guaranteed.
0: This is, I think, really good. It seems like Justin Houston's a on a different team every year and b he really plays well for his new team every year
2: (laughs) he's motivated by uh, all those one-year contracts um i guess yeah Yeah,
0: maybe maybe i'm wrong he has a different team every year but it sure seems like he's been bouncing around and seems like there's been at least once he signed after the season started or at least during training camp
2: then you have the Vikings here, another former ASU player signing wide receiver Nikhil Harry.
0: I don't get this at all. Um, yeah, I was uh, one of the few people, I think, that accurately wondered how he fits in the NFL. He just basically won you know, 50-50 balls in college, especially against some really bad defensive backs in the Pac-12 so I just you know, I even wondered at one time, does he just need to get bigger and become a tight end? But that wasn't going to happen. So it seems like Minnesota has a surplus of wide receivers already, and unless somebody got hurt that I'm unaware of, I don't I'd get this at all.
2: The Falcons' head coach Arthur Smith said that cornerback Jeff Okuda, when he left, I think that was Friday's show, Thursday or Friday's yeah. show, he left. uh yeah. With an ankle injury, says that he will be sidelined, but expected to have him return early in the season. Obviously, Jeff Okuda was one of the offseason acquisitions for the Falcons.
0: Yeah, I think that they've done some nice things in the offseason. Uh, we'll get to the Falcons a little later on this week, and I'm not sure you know, how much you know, even in the NFC South. I'm not sure where I could. They're not going to win it because the you know, Saints are going to win it. I think I'd be shocked if the Saints don't win it. That, that'd have to be massive injuries for the Saints many positions for the Saints not to win it. But I do like. I think Atlanta at least tried to improve, and they added you know some more offensive line help, and they've gotten better in that area anyway. And they added really guys at all three lines of the defense, whether it be Calais Campbell, you know Bates from Cincinnati is one of their safeties, Akuda, who didn't play great when he was in Detroit. He was out with injury several times, unfortunately, but he was you know one of the top picks of the draft when he came out, so he had pedigree at least. So they've tried in Atlanta to really you know, add guys that can help them immediately, and maybe they can.
2: Uh, then you have Matthew Judon here getting a contract adjustment. So originally it was just $2 million guaranteed for him for 2023. With the adjustment, it's now $14 million guaranteed. And uh, Matthew Judon back practicing with the team now.
0: And actually, I guess there's some bonuses in there. He can make like $18 million this yes. season. So that's pretty amazing. It seems like you know the Patriots better than anybody I know. I don't remember too many people that were unhappy with their contract situations who got paid. I
2: don't know. Is this a softening of Bill?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Either that or desperation on the defense. But I don't think that's the case because I think they, they have a chance, I think, to be a good defense. I think their offense could be abysmal. But I think they're because uh, I don't think Mac Jones is any good. But, you know, their defense, I think, could actually be pretty damn good.
2: From everything that I'm hearing, rookie Christian Gonzalez is looking really good. Uh, And then I I think Matthew Judon has been a really solid free agent acquisition for them. He just continues to impress.
0: And he was really good in Baltimore, too. He can play. I mean, I don't know. I don't really I don't remember him, you know, raising a fuss about much of anything prior. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, So for him to complain about his contract, maybe they just kind of realize, well, if he's complaining, we got to do something and he's really good.
2: Yeah. Maybe they were like, well, you know, it's time to reward him for being as and keeping it maybe in line with uh, some of the other pass rushers that are getting bigger contracts. True. Uh, the other thing that caught my attention from the weekend photo surface, Carson Wentz working out, uh, he, he was working out in all of his former team's gear. So he had an Eagles helmet on, he had a commander's practice jersey on, and he had Colts shorts on. Uh, but for Carson Wentz here, is there a place for him in the NFL? He's still on the outside looking in right
0: now. Maybe not. I mean, you know, somebody gets a quarterback or a backup quarterback injured, but. Unfortunately for Wentz, I mean, the dude was going to be the MVP of the NFL when he went down as the starting quarterback with the Eagles. I remember we were sitting at the Cardinals game when, uh, you know, I forgot who the Cardinals were playing, but the Rams were playing that day. And, uh, you know, the Eagles were playing against the Rams that day, and that's when he went down, Wentz went down with the injury. And I think it's pretty easy to say that he's not been the same quarterback since, The one thing that was a bit mystifying is that, you know, know, the knee is nowhere near the brain. And it seems like a lot of his issues in the last couple of years has been, you know, the decision making and his brain was not working properly.
2: Definitely what immediately comes to mind is him in a cult uniform backed up in his own end zone and just the... The little flick of oh uh, I, I I I don't even know what he was thinking, I don't know what he was seeing, but that was picked off and oh uh, gosh, that and I I forget who they were even playing, but just Carson Wentz and that like epitomized decision making, like panic, and that's the wrong place to be panicking on the football that would field. would be true.
0: <laughs> That's true. Probably against, uh, you know, that, was that against the Patriots maybe? Um, just a thought because I remember why. That must have been a night game because I remember that play too. Must have been a prime time game. I
2: don't know. The Colts have done some silly things against the Patriots. I mean, the, the attempted punt, but yet you only had one person with the ball and uh, everyone else was flanked out wide yeah. and uh, on fourth yeah. down. Yeah, that was that was not good. Uh, we it also w-
0: took Peyton Manning like 100 years to beat Tom Brady.
2: That's also true. And wasn't that the game that like half of the Patriots defensive players were like sick with the flu, so they were just completely out of gas by the second half?
0: That I don't recall you would know better than I. <laughs> Poll questions. It's next. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KTUS AM 1060 and ktus 1060com
2: 11.39 right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, Bob Camp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It's now time to get into the poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Bob had a great conversation with Dave Zangaro, NBC Sports Philly, talking all things Eagles. If you missed it, well, Bob KDOS 1060.com and KDOS 1060 app. Here's the question, though. The defending NFC champion Eagles in 2023, over or under 10 and a half wins?
0: Yeah, they had the easiest schedule in the NFL last season, if you go based on winning percentages on the 2022 season. Uh, they have a much more difficult schedule this year, even though I will say I think they're almost guaranteed a quick start. Their first five games are at New England home against Minnesota, at Tampa, home against Washington, and at the Rams. Wouldn't be surprised if they won all five of those games, quite frankly. But a little later on in the season, uh, they have a brutal six-game stretch from November 5th through December the 17th. They have Dallas at home. That's obviously a big showdown. That's their first meeting of the season against Dallas. That's the first week of November. Then they have a bye week. And when we had Dave on, he mentioned this specific schedule stretch also. And you know, I actually had this all formulated to talk about before Dave was on, so I'm just kind of, kind of uh, in concert with him. But once again, Dallas is the first game, by week, at Kansas City, home against Buffalo, at San Francisco, at Dallas, at Seattle. That's insane for a six-game schedule. That's six games including a bye week but i mean that's that's in that's ridiculous so good luck with that so uh because of that i have a tough time betting over 10 and a half. i'm not going to bet this but for purpose of the question i'm going to go under 10 and a half wins for the defending champions
2: yeah you're so right about this schedule i mean i know it's a first place schedule but that is just so brutal and then i mean you also have to think about this eagles team last year for the most part they were relatively healthy. I mean, I know you had Lane Johnson and he had his uh, groin injuries, but he still played through it. He played like a beast, Uh, but – In general, this Eagles team was really healthy. So if anything kind of like starts to unfold here and how difficult this schedule is, you know you don't want to root for injuries. You never uh, think it's going to happen. But if it does and this brutal schedule, that could be an issue uh, for this Eagles team getting over 10 and a half wins. I think talent-wise, they have the ability to play over 10 and a half wins. I think they're a 12-win team. But just the physicality that goes behind uh, back to back to but plus some emotional elements too you're coming off of a bye then you're playing the chiefs right away who you lost to in the super bowl and you're going to arrowhead so maybe there's a little bit of emotional elements whether you win or lose that game then having to go back home to face the the bills and then another emotional team with the 49ers who are going to be coming in and if they're healthy wanting to prove something after losing all three of their quarterbacks in that nfc championship game so not only the physical nature of of it maybe some emotional elements behind these games that certainly play a factor into all of this uh so while i think on paper they're talented enough uh to be an over 10 and a half win team i cannot uh be anywhere near anything betting wise with the philadelphia eagles here so i would say I would say over just based upon, uh, you know, what I think of this team. But because of this construction, no way, shape or form am I going there.
0: Yeah. And once again, you know, these schedule stretches that I keep pointing out, if you have a really difficult thing with either a bunch of road games or a schedule stretch like this, and it's later in the season, most likely you've been beaten down somewhat. And I think you bring up a really good point, which I actually wish I would have mentioned with Dave, they had amongst the fewer player injuries in football last year and the easiest schedule in the league based on winning percentages from last year.
2: The masses, though, pretty close. They busted out of their 50-50 split, though, but under 10.5 wins at 55% of the vote, over 10.5 wins sitting at 45%. I do want to just make mention of these numbers here. Jalen Hurts, over 3,625.5 yards, minus 112 New running back for the Eagles here, DeAndre Swift, over 525 and a half yards minus 112. A.J. Brown here, over 1, 1,125 and a half yards minus 112. And Devonta Smith, over 925 and a half yards minus
0: 112. Let me add one thing about Swift here. The Eagles last year were amongst, they might have actually been the team in the league that threw less to their running backs than anybody. And Swift, most of what he did in Detroit was a lot of it was him being thrown the ball. So is this a good mix? Uh, The
2: NFC East to win the division, the Eagles minus 115, Cowboys plus 175, Giants plus 700, and the Commanders at 13 to 1. To be the NFC champions, uh, Eagles plus 330, 49ers plus 400, Cowboys plus 600, and the Lions sneaking in there at plus 800. Super Bowl, you have the Chiefs as the favorites at plus 600, and the Eagles there at plus 800. That is uh, the KDOS1060.com poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter. Twitter. At KDOS AM 1060, Bob and I chatted with JC Allen from pewterreport.com. If you missed it, podcast it, KDOS 1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app. So, for the Buccaneers, the 2023 win total over six and a half wins or under six and a half wins. We talked a little bit about this schedule here in hour one. Uh, I don't necessarily see anything too overly concerning here. I know you brought up, and it certainly is a good point, how many road games they have in a stretch there week 11 through week 15 they're on the road all but one of those weeks so certainly that is a challenge to be on the road and the short week nature too of some of these on the road stretches um but i just don't know how good the buccaneers are going to be and i think it stems from that quarterback position is it going to be baker mayfield is it going to be really unproven kyle trask and i think we've seen enough of baker mayfield to know what you're going to get you're going to get some astounding plays uh that shock you in a good way and some astounding plays that shock you in a bad way and if he uh you know is unable to really move the offense and uh the offensive line i know that they had so many injuries last year if they're not able to protect then that obviously sets everything up in a disastrous way for the bucks to move the ball down the field this nfc south though is just so bad it's so confusing and so terrible uh to kind of try to figure out what direction to go so the buccaneers could sneak their way in here to over uh six and a half wins just based upon the nfc south
0: i have a tough time coming up with the over quite frankly um i think they're really bad and if they're not good you know the nfl's changed a little bit in recent years there's been more trades at the deadline than we've seen in the past and not it's never going to reach the basketball or baseball level where you have strict buyers or sellers but they've got some still elite players at several positions and at least one of those guys is uh, coming up on a contract year here soon but uh i wouldn't be shocked if they're not good say when the trade deadline hits that if the mike evans of the world and uh i don't think that uh you know, Godwin's going to be traded but i think that Evans could be on the move because if you're a contending team and needs a receiver i think you could get a whole lot uh, the, the the buccaneers could get a whole lot in return for Evans also think there's a really good chance that the buccaneers at uh, you know I don't know how to phrase this but i think they have a chance to be drafting in the top five next year.
2: Uh, Yeah, it, it, they're definitely going to be rebuilding and, and starting the, the phases of new offensive coordinator. And then for us, the question mark that we posed to J.C. Allen, is it going to be with Todd Bowles or is it going to be looking looking for a new head coach? Is it going to be looking for a new general manager with Jason Light? And he says Jason Light is uh, is good to, to continue forward. They like what he's doing and like what he's building.
0: Yeah, I think that Bowles has no excuse now because he did last year, and JC pointed this out. You know, Arians you know you know retired, and they didn't really leave Bowles any chance to hire his own coaching staff. And you know, last year was a lot of what you basically Arians had brought from Arizona to some extent with him to Tampa, and that worked out for that time. But you know, he's now Bowles has now had an entire offseason to. This is his coaching staff now. And if this you know, crashes and burns, I can't imagine much of a you know, reason to think that bulls will return next season.
2: Chris Godwin over 800-and-a-half uh, receiving yards, minus 112. Mike Evans over 875-and-a-half receiving yards, minus 112. The NFC South numbers, the Saints plus 130, the Falcons plus 210, the Panthers plus 360, and the Bucks at plus 750. I also did not mention the masses. The masses are on the underside of things at 77.8% of the vote, over sitting at 22.2%. That is on Twitter, at KDUS, AM 1060 the NFC South, I feel like it's it's such an unpredictable division because, okay, one, you have, right, the Panthers. What's Bryce Young going to do? Is, the, is he going to be going through some incredible rookie growing pains? But do you like the defense enough to think that the defense can carry them to some victories? Is Derek Carr going to find success in... In New Orleans with a new system uh, Michael Thomas is he coming back healthy how is he going to be the running back situation for the Saints the defense we saw what the defense was doing at the latter half of the season with the Saints are they gonna start off with that prowess there's just so much here when a really depleted division it's hard to figure out what direction to go
0: actually I think it's pretty easy to predict, uh, division to predict I'll get into that later in the week more another tease carving out time in your afternoon for the doug gottlieb show right here on kdus am 1060 100.7 hd2 and kdus 1060.com weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m
2: edition of extra point on this monday august 7th bob camp caleb mortellaro with you up until noon today as we typically do mondays wednesdays thursdays and fridays but bob it's thank you time
0: as always we thank you for listening special thanks to the callers emailers tweeters texters whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks also our guest today plural an eagles preview of dave zangaro of nbc sports philadelphia Buccaneers Preview with JC Allen a Pewter Report. Also Sound Day Courtesy of Fox, ESPN, ESPNU. Major League Baseball and WTMA. uh, T-A-M, excuse me, WTAM. The uh, in the Guardians. I was gonna say the former team. I kind of started to say that, didn't I? The Guardians flagship station in Cleveland with the outstanding Tom Hamilton call of Down Goes Anderson. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next.
2: That's right. Up next, from noon to 1 o'clock, it is SportsMap Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports 2 with Dave Rooster-Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. Uh, so we have the news over the weekend it's all been made official that in 2024 the pac 12 uh is now down to four teams stanford cal oregon state washington state so we'll have to find out uh who in how that's all going to unfold i mean we've had numerous different speculation that the mountain west uh some teams will be invited in to join the Pac-12 to, to get themselves some more teams for 2024. But what we do know is that Oregon and Washington are off to the Big Ten. For them, according to reports, it looks like that Oregon and Washington will receive 50% shares of the Big Ten media rights. Uh, so that comes into the tune of about $30 million for those schools in 2024, with annual $1 million escalators until the completion of the new deal with CBS, Fox, and ESPN. Just as a comparison here, the other Big Ten programs, USC and UCLA included, will be getting $60 million or more annually. So they're getting, as I said, half. Uh, then you also have ASU
0: and should have should have come in last year when they had you know, maybe an opportunity to do so. Um which I believe we said at the time, at least I did, or at least I thought about it at the time, that uh, you know the Big Ten or those schools should have left at that point. And I didn't think there'd be the complete crumbling of the conference at this point that we've seen. And by the way, ESPN reporting this morning that there's actually some smoke that Stanford might go to the ACC.
2: I've also heard Stanford is an independent, so it'll be interesting to see what direction they they go. That makes go. a lot
0: of sense to me, actually. Yeah, the independent thing. I mean, they're kind of independent right now because of their you know, academic standards. Is they basically can't take any, you know, portal guys uh, unless they have unbelievable grades and so forth. And uh, that's been a big problem with the football and basketball programs since the portal era started. To the, to this extent, they you know the portal portal era got out of control, let's say.
2: Uh, when it comes to just a little bit more on this Oregon and Washington situation, I believe it was the Washington athletic director. Uh, she was saying that they feel as though it's going to be about $10 million a year in travel costs because of all the flying uh, you know, across country. So that would dip into these, this $30 million media rights deal. So that puts you at about $20 million, which would be about what the Apple TV deal was going to be. But I think in general, you look at this and you say, well, the Big Ten has uh more obviously they're a little bit more stable than where the pac-12 is plus this apple tv deal was all based upon subscription numbers and certain different escalators if you reach those subscription numbers whereas uh cbs fox and espn are all you know linear television and that's the argument that everyone's been having about the direction of linear television versus streaming and how is it all working but as it is right now linear television is still still the king
0: yeah, one other thing. I don't remember if we talked about this on the air. I've talked about this with several people the last few days. Uh, the Rose Bowl is done. They're finished.
2: Yeah, we talked that's about cool. that yeah. in the car.
0: Yeah, they they might have a matchup, but it's not going to be – obviously, gotta be it's not going to be Big Ten against Pac-10. Pac-12, excuse me, I guess this year is it. And that's, uh, you know, where it happens in the Rose Bowl after this. And I think actually – Of all the things that have happened in realignment, to me, somebody who went to many Rose Bowl games in the 70s when Ohio State was playing almost annually, to me this is the saddest thing about the demise of the Pacific Conference, which at that time was the Pac-8.
2: Yeah, the Rose Bowl has a ton of memories for me as a kid as well. Uh, and just kind of all the pageantry that goes around it. And, and uh, that's where you appointment viewing on January 1st. Uh, just to make note, ASU and U of A, as they move to the Big 12 as full members, expected to receive $32 million annually with their media agreement with ESPN and Fox. That'll do it for today's Extra Point.